Hello, and welcome to another episode of CXO Talk. I'm Michael Krigsman, and we're here today with my co-host, Vala Afshar. As always, Vala. Michael. How are you? Nice seeing you. <laughs> so this is very exciting. We're at the offices of the Boston Celtics with NBA legend Jojo White. Jojo, how are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. And the Celtics CIO, Jay Wessel. Jay, how are you? Great, thank you. So, Vala, you have to introduce these two amazing men. It is such an honor uh, to be here. Uh, so growing up in the Boston area, playing basketball uh, <laughs> in, in, in high school and junior high, and watching the Celtics win championships. What a great franchise to be here with, with Celtics legend, Jojo White. And, I want to share with the audience. Uh, most of you know Jojo White, so this is redundant. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make the introduction anyway. We're with a Olympic gold medalist, uh, Jojo White. Uh, Jojo was uh, selected, drafted in the first round by the Celtics in 1969. Seven-time NBA All-Star. Uh, some uh, info you may not know, uh, Mr. White played in 484 straight games. We're talking to the true Iron Man of the NBA here. Oh, that's unbelievable. That's five years of not missing games. So you young athletes playing today, <laughs> you have a role model in terms of what it takes to be successful in life, sports, and business. Grit. Keep that word in mind as we talk. Two-time NBA champion, and in 1976, NBA Finals MVP. So we're talking about a gold medal basketball champion and an NBA champion and an NBA finalist and the number as you all know when we go to the garden every night watching whether it's basketball or Bruins hockey number retired by the Celtics in 1982 so truly a privilege and an honor to be here with you Mr. White. Thank you. Thank you sir and we're also here with Jay Wessel Vice President of Technology for the Boston Celtics. Jay you joined the Celtics in 1990? Yes. So 23 years of bringing technology and innovation wow. To the most storied uh, franchise in basketball. Yeah, so, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, it's like we met yesterday. That was the first year of computerized box scores. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I've seen him around so long. <laughs> so, today it's a privilege because we're going to learn about business, sports, leadership, technology. And again, it's just truly an honor for both of us uh, to be here. I hope the audience uh, feels the same. Great. Well, we are here talking about uh, business and technology, but let's begin with teamwork. Mm -hmm. So, Jojo, your life has been about teamwork, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about teamwork and what the impact can be on business and and on this on the Celtics today and in the past. And just what do you think? Oh, it's 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 been unbelievable. You know, for me personally, just playing with the Celtics. But uh, the man who was really running the show, uh, uh, Arnold Arbach, knew how to put the right people together that makes up teams, uh, who to draft, you know, to, to make up the teams that you saw a lot of the uh, uh, championships run. You know, he spearheaded a lot of that. So uh, it took uh, somebody who understood uh, how to put the right people together at the helm, and we were fortunate to have him. So, uh, so what are some of the, the things that you learned from him? Well, from that at that time, how to use your individual talent placed on 
a team that can benefit other guys on your team and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jay, uh, what's the you're you're running a business here, and obviously you have a team, and so. What are some of the, the team impacts on your business, that some of the lessons, the things that you've learned? The, uh, you know, the working as a team here at the Celtics, or in other jobs I've had too, mm -hmm. is so important, especially in technology. Otherwise, technology, technology is just you're doing it for technology's sake. You're building computers and you're putting networks together just for the sake of doing it, and that's actually no fun. IT is actually so dry, I find it very boring. What I find more exciting is working with the other the other groups here and, and here in this office that's ticketing and finance and marketing and sales. Um, and then also the basketball coaching staff, understanding what it is they're doing, how they do their job, how they would like to do their job, and then figuring out how we can develop systems that actually help them do it. So it's really the human part that is much better, and then build a system and then go help them, them use those systems. So, I mean, I like that human interaction and the teamwork of technology and the business side or the coaching side, which really for us is business, uh, much better than, than just building the systems for the sake of systems. That's fantastic. So as, as, as I read uh, Mr. White's book, Make It Count, about your life growing up and, mm -hmm. and, and as a young athlete and being a leader, one thing that stood out for me in this book was that, you know, as a young man, you made your own basket. You made, you made your own basketball hoop to play, and it, and it speaks to being self-sufficient and self-motivated and really passionate about the sport and overcoming obstacles and as I hear a CIO talk about learning about the business, learning about other functions like sales and marketing to be successful, there's an element of being self-motivated, interested, passionate. Talk to us about creating your own basket and, and how important it is for people to, you know, intentionally struggle to, to achieve success. Well, I, I'm the youngest of seven. Youngest of seven. Kids, yes. And so uh, I adored the game. I played all sports. Basketball is my love. So to have uh, the opportunity to work on uh, uh, my game, uh, I couldn't just go to my father and my mother and say, can you go and buy me a hoop? We had to like put things together to create our own opportunities to continue to get better. And so I, I went through the process of building my own hoop you know, on the side of my house that I would have to, to work every day on my game. That's amazing. And for those of you who may not know, Mr. White had a college scholarship afforded to him for basketball, for baseball, and for football. Yeah, for so football. when he says he played all sports, he played all sports. Yes, did. He played them at this level. <laughs> now I want to know, how come Gail Sayers couldn't convince you to play football? Well, because <laughs> I adored basketball. I played football. Yeah. But I would always resort back to basketball. I just absolutely adored playing that sport. Well, so, the Celtics love the even, fact you, you picked basketball. Even though I adored Gail Sayers, you know, basketball was, was, was uh, the, the, the game that I loved. So you were intensely self-motivated as, as a very young man. I mean, you, you created that motivation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I adored it. I mean, uh, I simply adored all sport, but basketball was, you know, uh, the one I just fell in love with. So for a CIO to be successful, 
Do they need to adore technology? Do they need to adore? I think so. I do absolutely. I I can't imagine trying to do this job coming from some other role. I've always been a technologist, mm. and I, I don't see how you I don't see how you can do anything you don't adore. I think you, you have to. Excuse me. You have to be uh, passionate about it, and yeah. So absolutely, absolutely, in my opinion, you do have to be. And that that was. True from when I was growing up, you know, when people would ask me, what are you going to do when you grow up? I have always said, probably from 10 years old, I'm going to build computers. Did you really? And there weren't that many computers <laughs> back then. So, uh, yeah, so that's always been a, a big thing for me. But I want to go back, you know, one, one very important thing JoJo touched on is sort of the, the passion of, of, of a, as a youth mm -hmm. and sports yes. and that he built it himself. And that's actually kind of different than today. Today, you know, all everybody, all the kids play things, but they often play what their parents want them to play, and there's a lot more adult supervision and adult involvement, and I think that changes the way the youth sports work. You know, when, uh, the same thing when I grew up and play youth sports. You know, I, I'm the youngest, only of two, but, mm. you know, I learned what I learned from my older brother, and he would help me, but there weren't parents around all the time, and they weren't pushing us into team sports and there weren't a million coaches or even technology in youth sports today. I mean, they get filmed and they study film and they have playbooks and things. We, we didn't do that. And I, I think that that helped the passion. Now it's almost mechanical instead of passion. Did your parents push you in any way? It sounds like you were totally self-motivated. Oh, totally self-motivated in the basketball area. Mm -hmm. area. Uh -huh. um, <clears throat> 12 o'clock at night, I mean, to try and convince your parents that you, you're playing ball. <laughs> you know, and then finally, they got a chance to come and see me play. Uh -huh. uh, and then they were sold in on the fact that well, he absolutely loved that sport. Mm -hmm. You know, and from then on, they followed my career. So they supported you after that? Absolutely. Uh -huh. So absolutely. there was a moment, a game that they saw you. Yes. And they saw the, the JoJo White Magic firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that was great. And they supported me all the way through. And now you have six children, and uh, so how did you did you, you encourage them to follow their passion and their 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 love of the game? Because I know your oldest, your son, is a athlete and tried out for the Patriots, and is a, a you know a, again a great great role model. Well, see, he adored, he adored football. You see, my, I have five daughters. Yes. You see, now none of them, even though a couple of them played the sport, they didn't adore it. You know, or took the approach or um, you know the way we did. You know, when we uh, was introduced to the sport. But uh, they played as well. Sure, sure, uh, sure. And it was exciting for me as a parent, you know, watching them go through the system and, and, and do all right in the sport. That's fantastic. So do, do, you, do you think the sport perhaps is a little bit different today? Meaning, was the passion there? You, you mentioned, you said the word mechanics and, and maybe a little, little, little less... Uh, I don't think kids are building their own baskets anymore. The money is certainly there. The, today. the money is there today. Is the sport different today? Well, the, the sport is not different. It's the same sport. It's taught different. Taught different. You know, uh, so it's not as 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 many athletes like adorn it to the point where you know you can't wait for the next day, mm -hmm. so you can go out there and play some more. Um, oh, but there are opportunities. You know, if you are good in certain sports. You got an opportunity of taking it even further. Makes sense. Makes sense. Jay, um, the business of professional sports is intensely competitive, and in effect, you're competing with high-def televisions. Mm -hmm. So, how do you get people to show up in, in the stadium? 
And, and before you answer, I just want to tell people, remind that we're, you're watching CXO Talk, and if you have questions, you can tweet them to hashtag uh, CXO Talk, and we'll ask Jojo White and Jay Wessel uh, your questions. So that, that's actually an interesting question that, come, that we discuss a lot on, on both sides of, uh, of the tables. We want... We certainly want the television audiences and, and the, the second, the third, and even fourth screen audiences from, from elsewhere, um, we want them as interested because that, that's a big part of our business as well. But the arena experience is is the, the thing that, that's the most exciting. And that's actually, that's why I'm still here. I love the arena. I love game day. I'm at the arena 8 a.m. till midnight on game day, and there's something about being in an arena or a stadium for a live sporting mm -hmm. event that makes it better. So a lot of it is just the game um, and being there and being at the event. And you're going to see that starting in an hour next door because the, the Bruins are playing, uh, you know, possible closeout tonight. And just walking near it, you'll feel the excitement and the buzz of the live crowd. So some of it just does it all by itself, is that the, the people want to do it, the real fans need to see it live. It, it's different than being at home. But they're used to the comforts of home. Right, they're used yeah. to sitting in their chair and and having a drink and uh, and being able to to see replays and things. So we do deliver that that experience. A lot of those experiences at the arena now. We've got high def screens. You know, the, call them the jumbotron. That's actually a Sony term. They're not jumbotrons anymore. I don't think Sony's even in that business. But um, so we have you know big high def scoreboard screens. We have stats all over on LED signage. Um, you know, we're, we're doing replays, we're delivering content to people's mobile devices, we're interacting with them on Facebook and Twitter, you know, we have uh, programs where people tweet um, and you, you'll, you can see your tweet about the game up on the LED signage. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to be interactive with the fans in their seats um, as well as try and stick true to the game that's on the court. So what are, so, uh... How do you overcome the fact that they have to? It's so expensive. I mean, they have to pay in order to show up. I and mean, what are some of the what are some of the things that you're doing? Um, well, I said the trying to engage, trying to to be more interactive with the fans, trying mm -hmm. to show them, um, you know, on the internal screens, which is like it's a TV show that runs right in the arena, um, to deliver content for them, you know, let them share their experiences and yeah. social media. Um, all a little bit of all of those things. We we've tried a whole lot of different things. We stick with some of them. The the Twitter campaign we've stuck with mm -hmm. for a while. We've had some ones where there were uh, 360 degree views uh, of the arena taken at, at a few times early in the game, and then people could find themselves on Facebook and tag them, post it from there. So we we've tried to just interact with them and, and bring them into the game. Certainly, plenty of promotions and and things. Um, and you so know, it's a lot more act, action yeah. uh, in dealing with the athletes themselves. Mm -hmm. So you get a chance, you know, whether you're sitting at home watching, you get a chance to interact with it with the athletes. You sure. know a lot sure. more about them. Sure. And you have a very strong social media presence. I mean, yourself, it's Facebook page, Twitter page. You have, you know, over a million followers. We do followers. tremendous following. It's, yes, it's, it's unbelievable. And. Uh, and the game's entertaining too. You know, there's seat upgrades. Mm -hmm. and there's always during, you know, during during the timeouts and between quarters and halftime. There's entertainment. So there is entertainment. Game presentation. We put a lot of emphasis on game presentation. Mm -hmm. we, we've got a department of, uh, you know, 
five or six people plus the dancers, right. you know, who's, <laughs> and, 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 the, and the mascot. Like, can't, Lucky. Forget, yeah. can't forget the dance. Yeah, yeah. You know, dancers and, and the mascot, That's Lucky. Yeah, so I'm, moving my, I'm moving my seat down. Yeah, yeah. All, all of that game presentation, we, you know, we would, we're trying to make it as interesting as possible. And there's not much time, you know, because you, you can't do, you don't want you don't want to do a lot while the game's going on, but you want to do as much as you can when the game's not going on. Mm -hmm. So we try and optimize the timeouts and, uh, and do as much as we can. Um, but ultimately, it, it comes down to you know if you can afford it, you know you're going to pay the entertainment dollar. You, you've got to be a fan. Some of it you've got to really be a fan, or you're not going to spend your entertainment money this way. You, you know you spend much less money and take the family to a movie. Yeah. So so you see it as entertainment. I mean basically. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So, as, as as someone who is on social media a bit, uh, <laughs> like right now, <laughs> right, 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 right now, as I'm typing, yeah, I'm not checking email. I'm actually using Twitter to share your words of wisdom. As 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 a you know, as a, as the youngest of seven children, mm -hmm. and and as someone who's you know highly competitive as, at an early age across multiple sports, how how did that shape your character? As as an athlete, as a as a as a leader, as a, as a business professional, just the love of the competition and 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 making sure that you know your character is always something you know your your compass and guiding you to make sure you're doing the right thing for the right reason at the right time. Well, I mean, if you're not playing sport or just just a regular person every day, you want to present yourself in in a certain way or try to mm -hmm. to win people who might admire you for whatever it is that you're doing. And certainly an athlete, uh, to be able to expose them to all different kinds of things, it, it's huge, you know, to have them involved as much as possible and want to be involved. So fame could be fleeting, but your legacy, your character, that's what's sustained Absolutely. over time. Absolutely. I just need to say I am totally 100% distracted as I ask you these questions with that big giant ring. <laughs> so could, could we possibly have the camera which see your? Uh, okay, this is. A, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting the flow. No, but, oh my goodness! Oh wow! Absolutely. I, this is the 17th uh, championship, 2008 championship ring, and I hope you can. The camera does, can't tell you how heavy it is. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I'm asking the questions and I just cannot. Uh, I'm, I'm completely in awe of that. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm. Thank you very much. Sorry, sorry for interrupting the flow, but uh, it's it's. Uh, Thank you. We don't often have uh, such uh, such fantastic uh, ring. The problem with the time. ring, though, I'll tell you one story. Is is it's addictive. So people have said to me for many years, I come out of a technology background, I'm an engineer, right. uh, how long are you going to work for the Celtics? This goes back starting in 1990. Yeah. And I always <laughs> said, I'm going to work till I get a ring. And then, but then I got you get the ring, yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, I don't want to give up now. I want no, more, just, right? It becomes very addictive. So, <laughs> so it's, it's a double-edged sword. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, when you when you wear the ring, do you wear it to to? I'm guessing getting a haircut on a Saturday. Have the ring. <laughs> I don't. I actually, I'm such a hands-on uh, yeah. mechanical guy that I rarely wear it. I wear it to events, charity events, and, and dinners and things like that. Social gas. But for the most part, I don't wear mine. But that's purely I can't because I work with my hands too right. much and I'm too much of a mechanic. Let's let's actually dig into the technology for a moment. So wireless, mobile, and analytics. Those are the big things. Okay. 
And so what are those, what are you, if anything, doing, doing with these? So uh, wireless and mobile, we, this past season was the first season that we actually had a Celtics-branded, Celtics-owned um, mobile app, uh, mostly aimed at, uh, at iPhone and Android phones. Mm -hmm. the, uh, and then we tried to deliver a few things that you can't get elsewhere. I mean, there's plenty of places you can check the score and even see the stats running by on, on a mobile um, so we tried to deliver a few other things, you know, ongoing chats with, with experts uh, somewhat in the game, uh, you know, from our staff and, and a few special features and things. So we tried to engage our fans that weren't in the arena through our mobile app and, and had moderate success. I, I think that um, given that it was our first year and, and we didn't promote it particularly hard, uh, I think we did really well with it. Mm -hmm. So, so we definitely see a lot of mobile. You know, one, one trick in the world that, that then ties into your analytics question is, how do you sort of tie who's, who's, who's dealing with us mobile and who's interacting with us on mobile or on Facebook or on these other things to who's buying tickets? And that's where analytics sort of comes to view. You know, who are our customers? What are they doing? What are they buying? Uh, when are they coming to watch games? So we, we have sort of two big pools of analytics. One is that side, the, the almost big data side that, that stems from tickets and, and mobile and Facebook and that. And we certainly collect a lot of data from a lot of different sources mm -hmm. there and, and look at it very hard uh, with a number of tools, both built in-house and third party. But then we have the basketball side of analytics, which is the side that, that is very much homegrown for us. Mm -hmm. um, we started development of, of sort of some basketball analytic-like software uh, well over a decade ago and have grown it ever since. And we have a database that uh, statistics that I think the first year that we've got in there now is 1995 or 96. So every play of every game in the NBA starting in 1995 or 96 we've got in a database and we can churn it every which way um, and even supplement it. We can go back and we do this after games. A coach will go back and add other labels to plays, things that aren't coming from the box score data, which is all we can collect electronically. We add more data. So not only was that Pierce making a 15-foot shot from the right side, it was off of a double screen, and it was play number UCLA 3. Mm -hmm. And so that then we can say, well, how many times does Pierce make you know, from the right side when we run UCLA 3 versus when you run UCLA 2. Um, so, so we've, and we've done a lot of work on that and we continue every day. We have one full-time software developer that does nothing but work on basketball uh, statistical data. So it's like competitive intelligence mm -hmm. against your, the other teams. Yes. We think a little edge, and it's helped. I, you know, we, we don't like to throw out too many examples, but it has helped. We, we, we're playing going up against teams. We look through that data, and we try and find some, something we can expose that says, hey, when you cover this guy a certain way, you have a better chance of stopping him. And that we've used that from time to time, and then we, we need to impart that data on the players, on the Kevin Garnetts and the Paul Pierce of the world. Paul, you know, when you see him look to the left, let him go because he's going to miss when he goes to the left. Yeah. But when you see him look to the right, you get there because he's going to make it from the right. I mean, that's a simplistic view, but those are the kinds of things we're trying to look for. There's all the basic things everybody knows, right? LeBron, if LeBron beats you on the baseline, he's going to make the shot. That, that you know, the analytics isn't going to help you with that. Mm -hmm. Just like in the past when they just simply said, give the ball to JoJo. <laughs> get out of the way. Get out of the way. <laughs> so, so JoJo, this is obviously, uh, all of this is very different from when you were a player. Absolutely. It didn't exist. I mean, technology, you know, in, the, in sports is like growing, like, I can't even tell you. Mm -hmm. 
you know, but uh, if you use it properly, make a lot of things happen. So, so do you you notice uh, an impact on the players and their performance on the basis of this technology? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really clear. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody told me that, and I don't recall their name, that uh, you know, if you were playing today, you would average somewhere between fifty-two to sixty points a game. I just want your. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, because come on, the defense is the def with the defense not give you an option. Well, but see, I as a as a player, I shared them all a lot. You see, so it's it's it, it was about involving your teammates with what it is that you do. So that keeps everybody's head in the game, and uh, they know just like with Rondo on this this team. Sure. The ball comes off the glass. First person they look for is Rondo because he's he's supposed to set the pace. Going them down the floor. So, do you think the defense of today is as strong as disciplined as when you play? Not even close. Not even close. No. So maybe forty-five points a game. <laughs> Something around there. So I would imagine that people playing today might take exception to that. <laughs> Man, when they have multiple rings and uh, well, if they're, they're if they're benefiting from it, no. Right. Uh -huh. And so all of it is to is to benefit the players that are out on the floor. Now you're not gonna just take off and start running, and I never pass you the ball. Pretty soon you start running. Mm -hmm. right. So my job is to make sure we share. If I'm starting out with the ball, mm -hmm. I'm gonna make sure that I'm sharing, and you see guys feeling feeling the wings because they know they're gonna get the ball back. Right. See, as a chief marketing officer working very closely with my CIO, I often feel that. When he walks into a marketing staff meeting and he brings a new company, new technology, new capability, whether it's a software base or on-premise, he's passing me the ball, helping me be successful. Absolutely. And so, you know, a lot of people should realize this, that you're bringing technology during game day, but you're working with sales, you're working with marketing, you're working with business development and all the other lines of business in any traditional business outside of the Celtics. So... Are you you providing that assist to these different functions and, yeah, and collaborating mm -hmm. to be successful? No question. We I, we try and build systems that are going to use them. We try and define systems together. Yeah. Or, or you know, we're doing that right now. We we use uh, some CRM functions in our ticketing software right mm -hmm. now. Um, you know, all the conventional CRM kinds of things. But it's we sort of outgrown the CRM functions that are there. So we're looking for a new big CRM or investigating whether it makes sense to implement a new big CRM. And so we have a cross-functional group from sales, marketing, uh, and myself, and we're looking at trying to define, look at what's out there, define what pieces of the different tools that are out there we could use and how, then put together, uh, this is what we're going to do, you know, at which point I'll go off, do the implementation, and hand it back to them and say, okay, here it is, what we all agreed that we're going to do, let's see how this helps you sell. Mm -hmm. Who's driving the CRM initiative? So is it marketing? Is it IT? Is who who chairs that committee, or is it just a joint? It, it's joint. Um, the I would say who chairs it really is a, a we call strategic ticket marketing and business operations. <laughs> I think is the official term. So, but it's ticketing. Kind ticketing. It's but you know it's, it's <laughs> what what you're really asking is what's the most important thing in the business, and other than putting on the best possible team on the court. Selling tickets is still what rules in pro sports. Right. Um, the pu you, you see a lot. The public, what's more public is sponsorship, 
you know, signage. You see the signs here on our wall, uh, sponsorship and television media and everything. But what what really pays the bills is ticket sales still. Mm -hmm. So tickets is going to drive that. Um, although we'd like it to be used in the other sales functions, in the, in the media functions, and in the sponsorship functions as well. Everything, every time we look at something, we're trying to see not just how it's going to apply to tickets, but also how it can apply to the sponsorship side. So the technology is really hand-in-hand uh, hand with these other business functions. Yes, definitely. It's and with the players, with the people on the team mm -hmm. and on the, on the floor as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, on the basketball side, and, you know, I, I do both functions. I, run, I deal with the technology on the business side and on the basketball side. And, and yes, we do the same thing. You know, One of the things that the players have wanted is more access to more video. And they don't want just the entire game of video. Mm -hmm. They want specific things that are relevant to them. So if I'm Kevin Garnett, I want to see <laughs> yeah. what I did tonight, and I want to see it now, after yeah. the game, or at least first thing in the morning, no later than first thing in the well, morning. Fresh in his mind. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to see what I did last night, and what then I want to see what I didn't do. Mm -hmm. And I also want to see who I'm guarding tomorrow. And I want both of those things delivered. So we've struggled with that. The coaches have been able to do this for the best part of a decade uh, easily on their computers. Um, but delivering that to the players has been difficult. We've cut DVDs or tried to get a, So this year was the first time we did uh, digital distribution through a cloud service to their iPads. So the players open up their iPad in the morning. Kevin Garnett clicks on his folder downloads his stuff and he gets just what he needs to see because the video coordinator has has cut up the video and, and sent it to his folder um, or any of the other players. I think we've pretty much got almost every, if not every single player, most of them on that. And it's usually iPad, it doesn't have to be, but it usually is. So so yeah, that's a place where we, we had a hole of, of we, the coaches had the video and that stuff, but the, we couldn't get into the hands of the players. And finally, sort of the cloud distribution world uh, over the past two years or so really opened that up, and uh, it's worked great. And all the starters get this real-time uh, video footage of their play? Yeah, well, we generally, generally, I don't know that we, we necessarily specify it for a given player, but we do bigs. Uh, and, uh, and by function on the court, mm -hmm. so we don't not usually as personal as sure. Kevin Garnett, although sometimes usually it's it's bigs or or guards. Or. You, know, you talk about the mobility, you talk about the cloud data, all these incredible mega trends that you've implemented and you leverage. How about security, losing plays, scouting reports? How do you lock down this intellectual property that exists within the Celtics? Uh, I mean, it must be. A, we, are you concerned about that? Are you concerned a about little that? bit Other concerned. Teams getting a hold of yeah, you? I mean, we try and protect it. We try not to be too public. Um, we try not to to put too many things out in too public of places. So putting the video out through a cloud service isn't that big a deal because it really isn't video. It isn't anything that you couldn't go get if you were a consumer on mm. ESPN.com if you just wanted to do it. You know. So, so we're not too concerned, but but we are. We certainly watch our security. We, you know, constantly upgrading security, uh, working with companies like Interasys uh, to make sure that we're sort of secure from the inside out. Um, but I spend a lot of time, and in, in every summer, every off season, when we tend to do big IT projects. Right now, security is one of them. I've got two new firewalls uh, on my bench right now that I'm working to get in and swap out the you know, the ones from a few years back. So we always try to stay one step ahead of the bad guys, but uh, not always so easy. Now, Jojo, your, your son, Brian White, sends a message. Mm. He, uh, I, I tweeted before that we're sitting here with you and that you had said that he's a great kid. Yeah. And he responds back on Twitter saying, well, 
he always tells the truth. You always tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> always. Always. Um, he didn't tweet back and say he's a great father? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, well, now Brian? He's listening. We're waiting for that, too. Listen for my call. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, Jojo, before you mentioned that one of the, the jobs of the, the players on the court is to share. Yeah. And to me, that's pretty interesting. Well, you sh let me say, you should share. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I, I find that pretty interesting because, uh, obviously, professional athletes are put on a pedestal, mm. and I work with uh, accomplished business people who are not put on the same level of pedestal as, as the athletes, but there is such a tendency to develop kind of a prima donna attitude, mm. and, and I wonder maybe you can just talk about that and the... Uh... Well, a lot of times you, you're judged on, on what you are individually doing on the floor, and not so much judged as to what you mean to the, the spectrum of the whole team. I mean, certain things that certain individuals do that other individuals can't do, that they need them to blend in with, you know, that's what makes up a team. Mm -hmm. you see, it's just like with Kevin. I mean, it seems like more and more he's getting further and further from the basket. And I asked him on several occasions, well, if you miss, who's going to get the rebound? Mm -hmm. You know, and so now he he becomes aware of those things and try and, and figure out in his own head how can I now put myself in a position where I can help benefit my teammates even more. And it goes with Rondo, same same guy. You can't just take off with the ball and not have anybody run with you. If if you're not going to share it, well, people are going to stop running with you. And so a lot of those things you have to figure it out. You know, on on your coach has to help you figure out it helps our team be better, you know, in uh, uh, trying to put out a, a, a team out there on the floor. So it's kind of the, the antidote to the prima donna syndrome. Yes, yes. The one thing that was mentioned in your book, I mean, so many people were interviewed uh, as a process of writing this book to learn more about your yes. leadership methodology and like team, team is spelled T-E-A-M. There's no I in the word. Mm -hmm. And the sooner, as a, as a team, you find it out, then the game becomes easier out on the floor. And when you find it out, it's like, oh, okay. Got it. Got it. And is this aspect, uh, has, it, has this changed over time? It, it has. Uh -huh. It has. Because sometimes we, we get caught up in, from an individual standpoint, well, if I do X, Y, and Z, well, then I'm going to make OYK. You know, but it might not be beneficial to the to the team. So you want to do those things that will help the team be better. Then you become really important. See what I'm saying? If you if you're the handler of the ball and you're sharing it, soon that ball come off the off the backboard, you're the first person they're looking for to get that ball to because they know that you will share it. You know, down the floor. So you've been described as someone who's fiercely competitive but incredibly humble and always positive. Absolutely. What advice do you have for people who may be feeling a bit negative or depressed? How do you maintain that positivity that has helped you be successful? Um, know that you're doing the very best that you can do or, or 
do those things that is being asked of you. And if you have room, do some extra things. Excellent. Then you become, I mean, uh, your teammates, your coaches, they start to want that from you. You know, it helps you be a better player out on the floor. What can a CIO do to, you know, we had a, we had a CIO of the largest university at, in New Hampshire, and she talked to us about being a CIO plus. One example was wear a CFO hat. In other words, understand the financial constraints that a business has. What yep. advice do you have to CIOs to elevate themselves from not just being the chief information officer, but innovation, intelligence, imagination officer? Yeah, I, th I think that for a long time, CIOs sort of got a bad rap yeah. of, of wanting to say no a lot. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, we're not doing that. That doesn't work. It breaks the security rules, or it, you know, we can't do that. It's too hard or too something. And to try and I, I, I've tried to take a step back and, and not have my first answer be no, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. Try and understand what it is. Um, the world and the technology has moved such that it helps us too. But I don't spend as much time on infrastructure anymore because I can easily build virtual systems. You know, whether they're in my room down the hall or you know in the cloud somewhere. That so the infrastructure task be, is um, maybe not simpler, but takes me less time. I spend less time on building infrastructure, which gives me more time to figure out how to use that infrastructure. The infrastructure should be a tool and and not an end game for for a CIO. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, and I've tried to embrace that. I've tried to embrace all the, the new technologies and not just just be stuck building servers. Uh, my friend uh, Steve Conley down the street at the Red Sox, my counterpart, says he, he used to be a server hugger and he got over it. <laughs> <laughs> he got past being a server hugger. I think I, I just right. recently got past that myself. We, we have a question from uh, Twitter from Mr. White. Who in the history, this is a question from Michael Lytle. Who in the history of the NBA would you have most liked to have played with or played against? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. In the history of NBA, so. Um, I would love to have played with um, Magic Johnson. Mm. Wow. I mean, he was truly a, a team player. You know, I mean, he, he, he could motivate, you know, all of his teammates individually, take a little step up more and be a better player than you already are. Although that little baby hook really bothered me for years. <laughs> little jump hook. <laughs> that little, no, yeah, you know, you know, you know the game, game in, 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 in the garden. But yes, yes, I, I can see why Magic would be a yeah. Magic Johnson. And then played against. I know you've guarded some of the, some of the greatest players uh, in, in your in your his, in your history. Well, two that you know I I adored playing against, um, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to <laughs> twist it. Can you see that? Yeah. I don't know. That, that's a little scary. That was, these, that was these that was these two two that played in the backcourt with the Knicks, Walt Frazier, oh. Earl Monroe. Oh, oh. I didn't care what we played them. I wanted them bad. <laughs> Bad. And the greatest part was being able to go in their house and beat them in the home. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's how, fantastic. Did, how did you prepare yourself mentally for these, yeah. these really hard... Well, you just games. reach from within. I mean, it's, it's the competition of it all. I mean, you, you may be a player, but you still got to compete. Uh -huh. You talk about winning versus losing. 
and you, you talk about players, when you talk about Earl and, and Walt Frazier, who were not only great players. I mean, they came, they played to win. And they got off on coming to your house, spanking you in, in your house. Well, of course. They want to. Well, then, it's, of course, we want to stop. So, and we like to turn it back around and come to your house and spank you the same way. <laughs> you see, so we had that competition going. What is that adrenaline coming business for CIO? Is it, is it that te is it new technology? You said you got a couple of firewalls waiting for you to, or is it helping marketing get more ticket sales? And what gets you really excited as a, as a, when you look back over well, the course me, of the week? Me or the month? personally, yeah. as I said earlier, is really about the arena. I get excited game for the day. event, game day. There is nothing like game day. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes on here. As I said, it's not technology for technology's sake. It's, it's much more interesting than an average business, but none of it compares to putting on that event and yeah. getting, you know, when that ball goes tipped off and being ready for it because there's a lot of technological challenges, especially for us. Uh, these arenas where we've got hockey teams and basketball teams that play on alternating nights, we are in and out. We take our entire technology setup, and starting at 8 in the morning, we set it all up courtside, and then after the game, it all gets torn down. So invariably, that's so many wires and wireless things and, and different technologies that there are problems. So fighting that and being ready so when that ball goes up, you're ready. And it doesn't matter how many things broke. Nobody's going to wait and hold that game for you. You yeah. know, you don't say, excuse me, Mr. Referee, I'm not ready with my computer. That doesn't happen. He, he's going to play, he's going to throw that ball up at 740, whether you're ready or not, so you better be ready. I call it the epitome of a real-time system. You know, we used to, in the old days of mainframes, we had banking where real-time systems, right? The dollars had to move and the stock market had to move. And that's true, but more real-time is, is basketball scoring and statistics. Mm. If you don't capture what just happened on the court, well, you're not going to go back and capture it. You've got to be ready, and that computer's got to be capturing it as, as it's happening, or you blew it. A little bit of stress there on game day? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You asked Joey Crawford a few times he's dealt with me. <laughs> well, actually, I've, we're, we're fortunate. We've attended a number of games, and you are busy. We, we absolutely see you. It's like orchestrating. Uh, you know, you have you. You know, you're you're involved uh, in so many aspects of the game. So, and it's actually thrilling watching you. Uh, you know, make sure that at the end everything works flawlessly and uh, and the game and the players, coaches, audience, fan, they all they all appreciate that hard work. There are, and there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, we, we have the we have the. The, the title that we, we use in the broadcast business, so the, every broadcast show, in our case the mobile broadcast trucks that come in to televise it, mm. have an EIC, the engineering charge. And that's, you know, there's 350 different things, but it all, if any one of them is broken, that EIC has to go put on that hat, and that's what I do inside the arena. I'm the, the sort of that floater, and it, and it might be I need to get a trash can over there or a chair over there, or it might be this computer crashed or this network cable's broken. Could be a little bit of everything. Well, we're almost out of time, but we have uh, two last questions actually for for JoJo. So the first one is, what did you find most challenging or most difficult as a player? What was the hardest thing about being Ooh. a player? Wow, playing playing back to back um, high profile games. You know, like against uh, uh, the Knicks, you know, you have a, uh, a middle game you play on Friday and then you come back to your place and you play against the same team on Saturday. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, it drains you. And but at the same time, uh, not not you're not just the one who's playing. Others are playing too. So you have to step up to to the plate, so mm -hmm. to speak. Did it drain you physically too, or more mentally? Both, both. But you have to prepare yourself, you know, to be able to to uh, play up to sure. you know your level of play. And you've got to so each individual is doing it, and then there's the the team dynamic as well going on at the same time. Yes, absolutely. Sounds like the team dynamic is the part you loved. Oh, I did. I did. Well, that's the couple the competition is about. Mm -hmm. And your fondest memory as a, as a Boston Celtic? Oh, it's every day. Every day? It was every day for me. I mean, I adored being here. I absolutely did. Because we, I mean, not only the organization, I mean, all the players, I mean, we, we took it very, very, very seriously. And so, to to don in uniform and get out there and play all oh, man, it was, it was unbelievable. Are you still friends with some of the players? Oh, absolutely. From that? Uh -huh. That's why I'm here. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. We can thank feel you. the passion. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> if, if this was a Monday, I'd be running around work uh, high-fiving all the yeah. employees. So I can't wait to... Uh, Share this interview with our company I, and our audience. I hope that the I hope that the people watching can feel the intensity of the passion mm. that, of that you both have well, that you. you both bring to this. Uh, so we've been talking. This is CXO Talk, and we've been talking today with Jojo White and with Jay Wessel, who are both part of the fabric of the Celtics for a long time. And I'm Michael Krigsman with my co-host Vala Afshar. This has been a wonderful experience, oh, and we yes, thank, you. thank you both so much. And I thank everybody for watching, and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.